and welcome to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back with our Game Week 7 preview, just two more game weeks before an international break. My name is Chris Hopkins and I'm joined by the uh, finishing quality of Ivan Tony to my Alexander Izak. It's Andy Case. Andy, uh, I know I said to you earlier that we weren't going to mention uh, Ivan Tony on, on this podcast, but um, yeah, I did, I did, I did. I made a big thing about doing some Twitter polls, which I didn't end up doing on the last part, and how I was in a bit of a pickle between Julian Alvarez and uh, keeping Ivan Tony, or maybe switching to Alexander Izak. And I made the big move, and made yeah made the move from Tony to Izak, and Izak missed a glorious opportunity, and Tony gets a hat trick. And I guess I'm bringing this up because when we started this podcast, we wanted to reinforce the fact that FPL should be fun. And you can't, yeah, trust your decision making, but sometimes you just got to go, go with your gut. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, ho-hum. But I think you've, you've used the word, uh, the word pain to describe FPL before. And um, yeah, sometimes it feels a little bit, um, a little bit of a grandiose over the top term. But yeah, at three o'clock on Saturday when I was watching, watching Clapton not play very well either. I was uh, I was feeling feeling that pain quite quite deep. I can imagine, yeah, and and particularly when you throw in your start to the who the heck is stats season as well, um, it's it's really not going well for for you so far. I mean, I would say ultimately, I mean, this is easy to say when it's not happened to you, but even Tony scored twelve goals last season, and so you got a quarter of that tally in this one game, and you can't really legislate for that. So he got a hat trick last year as well. So he's 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 that kind of player now, isn't he? I think where we've got yeah. to expect what twelve to fourteen maybe a season if Brighton if 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 Brighton if Brentford are going to stay up, then I guess we're going to be. He's not he's not going to hit twenty, is he? But he's probably going to get more than ten. I mean, in his first season, you were pretty excited about his prospects for getting 20 or more because of the 34, whatever he'd scored in the championship. But um, it doesn't seem like it to me, no. And yeah, it's um, it's sad, but you've got to, I think, yeah, you've got to just try as best as you can to take it with a bit of a pinch of salt because Isaac, from what we saw, you know, looked like a, a better finisher than than Tony. So, yeah. Trust the process, trust the process. And yeah, you can't can't let these things get you too down. Uh, and yeah, I'm sure you, that you've had some 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 nightmares down the years as well, where you know players that you bring bring out or take out end up returning and the ones that you bring in don't do anything. So it happens to the best of us. But but yeah, uh, I did get a few tweets. So thank you very much for, for those. But yeah, I was texting Andy being like, Yeah, I'm gonna need uh, our next podcast might have to start with a little bit of a little bit of group therapy and uh, and yeah feeling good feeling good feeling positive on to the next one which of course is game week seven uh, we will start as we always do on our preview shows by running down this week's fixtures I'll have a quick chat about this week's talking points we're recording on wednesday evening and there has been plenty of chat on wednesday so we've had to adjust this segment uh, a little bit we will be looking at some players on the radar but no majorly strong fancies for andy knight again we will be swimming against the tide and we'll finish as we always do with captaincy and who the heck is that? So let's start by running down those all important game week seven fixtures. Your FPL deadline is Saturday, the 10th of September at 11 o'clock because the lunchtime game is a Southwest London derby between Fulham and Chelsea. We have four three o'clock kickoffs. They are Bournemouth versus Brighton, Leicester versus Aston Villa, Liverpool host Wolves and Southampton play Brentford. On Saturday evening, a lovely little uh, contest between two Champions League teams this season, Man City and Spurs. 
Moving on to Sunday, three games because of Europa League uh, movements of fixtures. So Arsenal versus Everton at two, West Ham versus Newcastle at two, and Crystal Palace versus Man United at 4.30. A Monday night football this week, and that is Leeds versus Nottingham Forest. Yeah, an interesting one. It feels like, I don't know, I'm going to offend so many fans here, but it feels like a championship game, doesn't it? That. Oh, yeah, you have. I mean, you know, in the 70s or 80s, that's massive. That's like yeah, a title yeah. decider, that game. Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, two big clubs, big following. So, yeah, you've annoyed lots of people in one place. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's, keep, let's keep that up. Uh, so, Andy, I guess um, usually at this time of the season, our talking points, we would be talking about Europe and we would be talking about the results and the minutes the players got and we would be talking about rotation and things like that. And obviously we are recording on Wednesday. We're recording before even the Wednesday Champions League um, games have kicked off. I think we will probably will know teams, but we definitely wouldn't know minutes. And obviously there are three teams, uh, three British teams, obviously in the or English teams in the Europa League and Europa Conference League as well, which we know very little about. Um, but we've got plenty of other things to talk about. And uh, we, I guess, almost woke up to the news this morning that Thomas Tuchel had been relieved of his duties at Chelsea. Rumours of him sort of begging to keep his job down the, down the phone as well and things like that uh, this morning. I mean, I guess it's caught us a little bit by surprise. He definitely wasn't one of the favourites in the next manager to go uh, odds. But equally, Chelsea haven't had a good start to the season. They lost to Dinamo Zagreb last night, but supposedly that isn't part of, uh, of the decision making here. Um, so it could have some serious FPL impact. Ultimately, Chelsea are a team that we rely on, particularly their defenders and Tuchel having a pretty mean defence, but hasn't really transpired uh, so far this season. Um, but I guess the key now is who they get in and also what impact that could have on another Premier League club. Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, the previous ownership at Chelsea were known for their ruthlessness. And it is a little, perhaps somewhat of a surprise that the new ownership have decided to be this ruthless this quickly. Um, But the person that they're after makes it suggest that maybe they're looking for a longer term project in the future. I mean, certainly this this person has has done that at his previous club. So it'd be kind of unfair to expect you know, sudden instant success, and that and that is Graham Potter, yeah. And 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 I'm really excited about the prospect of an English coach being given an opportunity at one of these big uh, clubs. It's been it's been well decades, literally decades. I think the last English manager to manage a, an English club in the Champions League was probably Harry Redknapp for Spurs, was it? And even then, uh, you know, obviously they only had a couple of kind of seasons in it. They didn't win a trophy under him. Not exactly an up-and-comer either, was he, Harry Redknapp? No, exactly. Yeah, no, he did well with that squad to get them into the Champions League in a two or three seasons. But, um, yeah, the 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 prospect of like someone like a Potter who's kind of been through the leagues and, and the countries and is got, got getting a growing reputation in, 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 in world football, yeah, it, 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 to see him, you know, on on the big stage with Chelsea would be interesting. Obviously that has impacts in FPL in two ways, as you alluded to with how will it work for Chelsea, but also what does it mean for, for Brighton? But um, I think the biggest, the, the best Ch- Chelsea have, we've spoken a lot about Chelsea assets, even, even the fact they haven't, even though they haven't been doing well. And the key on Chelsea has that a lot of people have been looking towards is that they have a great turn of fixtures come this international break. I think most people probably only had Reese James. There wouldn't be many with two and certainly not many with three Chelsea assets. Um, but I know a lot of people were eyeing up the idea of moving to more Chelsea assets after that, you know, in the wild card in the, in, in the international break, because they have a, a really, really good run. I don't think they play any of last season's big six um, in 
in their run uh, between the international break and the World Cup. So, uh, yeah, the, if they can be better and uh, Potter gets them going again and there's, there's a few more options uh, to, to look at, then then that can only be a good thing, I think, for the game. Yeah, I think that I think that is interesting, and obviously, you know, at the minute Potter isn't isn't confirmed. It does sound like Brighton have given him permission to speak to Chelsea, and I guess with if we were betting people, which you know, I guess we are, Andy, but ultimately, you know, if we we'd find it hard to believe that at this stage Potter's going to turn Chelsea down. It's 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 could be a once in a lifetime opportunity for for a manager like him to go manage um you know, one of the one of the top clubs in the world. So I think it's unlikely uh, that we're going to end up and end up seeing um or not seeing Potter at, at Chelsea. I guess the interesting thing, is, you know, it seems a little bit of an odd time in a sense to get rid of Tuchel. Yeah, things have been, haven't been great, but ultimately he did win them the Champions League. And, 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 and at the same time, um, you know, the transfer window is just, just closed and they've, they've, they've given him quite a lot of resources in theory. You know, they spent a lot of money. How much of those were his signings? I guess we don't, we don't know, but, um, but, but they spent a lot of money in, in the window, supposedly strengthening their side. So therefore it does feel a little bit of an odd time to get rid of, rid of someone and bring in a new manager who's now not going to have sort of their own squad or any time to, 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 to make the changes that they want. Having said that, the flip side of that is, and as you know, we've discussed, we discussed off air earlier, is that Brighton, you know, it's, they're not carbon copy systems, but Brighton play or Potter likes a three at the back. Chelsea have built a team with three at the back. Uh, they like a false nine. Brighton haven't really played with an established number nine this season. When Danny Welbeck has played, he's come quite deep often, a bit like Kai Havertz might. Um, you know, they've got, they've, they've got, some really good things out of out of Pascal Gross this year, and Mason Mount has been relatively underwhelming. If Graham Potter can can unlock this this Chelsea team, which in theory it's more built for him than than the uh, than the comparison you made, which was Eric Ten Ten Hag coming into Manchester United, albeit he had the transfer window to make those differences, then in theory Potter could hit the ground running here, and that should make some of the players that have underwhelmed both on the pitch and in FPL terms this year quite interesting for that really good fixture run. I mean, hopefully so. Yeah. I mean, even if you don't take a basket case like United that Ten Hag was walking into, even just like an an average dismissal from a club, right, with a new manager coming in, even if the club isn't in complete disarray, often you know, stylistically, the manager isn't necessarily exactly the same as the one that's come in previously. So the types of player they have on their books, whilst they might be good, don't necessarily fit the way they want to play. But but yeah, the, almost that doesn't look the case for Potter here. He could be walking into a job where, although he hasn't had the transfer window, the types of players, they, they've, they've kind of bought young in this transfer window more often than not. I mean, there's exceptions to that because they've bought a lot of players, frankly, in this transfer window, Chelsea. But, you know, I'm, t- I'm thinking the Cucurellas, the Fafanas and, and, and stuff like that they're they're um yeah yeah they they play that as you say they play the kind of three five two or three four three system they rely a lot when they're playing well chelsea on their wing backs exactly like bright potter has done throughout his career and including at brighton obviously cucciarelli used to play for potter last season so we know he can get good things out of him and and and, and you'd think the same for reese james on the right so um it does look like if you you know if you're going to walk into a new job you are more often than not going into a, a a squad that's underperforming, but it looks like a, a, a squad and a, and a setup and a, and a set of tactics, I suppose, that, that the group of players would be used to that, that Potter could quite quickly put put his stamp on and, and get them playing well, yeah. 
I guess the point is it, it you know, from from our eye, it's not going to require like a Ten Hag complete overhaul or even um, Ralph Rangnick, a complete overhaul of what this team is currently doing and is used to and the players are, and the players are built for. In theory, it should be a little bit easier for Potter to put his stamp on it because the stamp isn't so far removed from what they're currently doing and what they're used to, albeit, I guess, something that hasn't worked this year, but did work relatively well last year and ultimately got them um, to the Champions League final and, and lifting that trophy. Um, I guess, obviously, you know, there are going to be potentially some teething pains, a bit, you know, some growing pains. So we're going to have to wait and see um, what this ends up as if Potter is, is, is appointed. But, but yeah, an interesting one. I think I think it's kind of, you know, you said at the, at the start, Andy, that it's it's nice to uh, it's nice to see a, an English manager given the chance. And yeah, I think ultimately Chelsea have spent a lot of money in this window, and they could have easily gone out and got a big name manager. But they've gone, I guess, they've maybe thought about it sensibly. The quickness, the speed at which Tuchel's been fired, and they've approached Graham Potter, despite them saying in their press statement this morning that they didn't have someone already lined up, implies that they did at least have some idea about who they wanted to approach and therefore the fact that they've gone for you know, a manager that's ultimately overperforming with his resources I think is interesting rather than yeah going to get a big European manager so fingers crossed it ends up working out I mean we spent a lot of time on this already but I think it is quite important because the other impact on this Andy is, is going to be Brighton right you know, they've had a good start to the season and therefore a lot of managers are going to a lot of FPL managers are going to own at least one Brighton player if not two wouldn't shock me if some have got three um, you know, Pascal Gross has been pretty popular. Trossard was probably popular at the start of the year. Obviously, Robert Sanchez, we've been enjoying Purvis Estepinan, uh, although he didn't start at the weekend. Lewis Dunk is always going to get some owners as well. Um, this It's impossible to know what impact this is going to be, but it's hard to think that overall it's going to be a, a, an improvement because if Chelsea want Graham Potter, it's hard to find um, a manager out there that's going to have an immediate impact or, 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 or right the ship in, in quite the same way. I guess if you're going to trust any team to, to recruit well, it would be Brighton, but it's hard to uh, it's hard to imagine that, that, that the current start of the season is going to be maintained by, by, by a new manager. Well, I think from an FP, if you're a Brighton fan, it, it would probably be worrying because, yeah, they all seem to be in such harmony and lockstep, the board, the, the sort of managing director, the coach, the recruitment team. And so losing one piece of that, can you replace it? And it works so well, it seems unlikely because the bar's so high for that. But from an FPL point of view, their first two games after the international break are Liverpool and Tottenham. And I think most people had eyed that up as an opportunity to get rid in the wild card anyway. So, yeah, from an FPL perspective, it may not that they could go into disarray. They might not. But I think either way, people probably won't be looking to have Brighton assets in their team. So maybe it won't impact people's plans too much. And obviously, the other news that's come out today is that Brighton's match against Crystal Palace in game week eight is postponed. Uh, industrial action on the trains means that um, sports won't be able to get to, get to the game. So the, uh, I think Brighton requested that the game was postponed. Um, Brighton Stadium isn't really in Brighton. So, you know, they rely heavily on, on, on trains and public transport to get supporters to the ground. And, and therefore, they've requested that the match be postponed and the Premier League have granted that, which means, yeah, their next three now are born within this game week, then a blank. Then, Liverpool, then after the international break, Liverpool and Tottenham. Is it time to sell now? Sell like you know, Pascal Gross has had what five price rises this year. Time to sell high. Um, I think with Bournemouth this week, probably not. Right. I after, think after after game week seven before well, yeah, game week eight. I mean, of course, yeah. If if I mean, you, it depends. You don't want to take. I wouldn't say take hits for it. But like if you, I mean, if you want to upgrade somewhere before game week, before the international break, yeah, absolutely, of course. I mean, they've got a blank, they're not playing in game week eight. So, yeah. Yeah. 
definitely definitely worth worth thinking about yeah i guess um maybe we can hit a little bit more on uh, on on how to replace your brighton assets maybe ahead of uh, ahead of game week eight in the game week eight preview let's crack on then andy with with the radar and the second week in the row we don't really feel strongly enough to have any player on the center of, of our radar and i think considering we both own at least two brighton assets you've only got two andy right yeah, yeah. so um i i don't i feel like the uh the, the temptation to, to roll a transfer this week and, and therefore save two to maybe get rid of Brighton assets next week is is, is pretty um is pretty tempting right yeah um and I think a to, just to outline that point I guess it probably doesn't help that a lot of the big six seem to be playing each other in the next few game weeks right and I think that's what probably also adds to this um like when you look at like fixture difficulties say over the next four or five game weeks the top the, the teams that are coming near the top of that are like West Ham, Newcastle, Forest, Leicester, Leeds, Bournemouth. You know, you don't find the first big six team until you get about halfway down to Man City. And then all the others are in the bottom six of in terms of fixture difficulty sort of schedule when you rank them because because they're kind of all playing each other quite a few times. So, uh, yeah, that I guess possibly adds there's no there's no obvious great fixture runs for many kind of reliable attacking or defensive assets and then that's that's what adds to a, an empty center of the radar i guess yeah absolutely i think we've also taken this as a bit of an opportunity you know so far this season we've been basically focused up to game week eight but i think you know we've just two game weeks to go now before the before that international break between eight and nine we are going to start looking a little bit beyond that and, and as andy says there aren't any teams really that are standing out to us with with, with loads and loads of good fpl assets having said that um we're keeping uh, Alexander Isak in the mid-range of our radar. Obviously, he scored once on his debut versus Liverpool, had another one disallowed, but ultimately it was a good finish and a pretty sort of marginal offside. Um, missed a very good chance in in, in 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 their latest game, obviously to the disappointment of of myself. But I think ultimately we're going to take the the positives that he's still getting in 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 good in good sort of positions, getting good opportunities, and trusting at least from the Liverpool game, at least, that he is a decent finisher and the, and, and the goals will come. Plus, his position in, in the side, at least, while Callum Wilson's out, remains pretty stable. Exactly, yeah. I think um, people, a lot of people are considering, I mean, as much as it sounds perhaps nonsensical right now, Arsenal are another team whose fixtures shift a little bit after that international break. It's Tottenham and Liverpool, their first two fixtures. There's going to be a bit of a... a, bit of a a move away from trip of triple Arsenal. A lot of people have. Would you want to get rid of Jesus? It's going to be a big call, I think, in the international break. People getting rid of Jesus or not. He's currently very, very highly owned, upwards of 75, 80 percent. With two fixtures of Tottenham, Liverpool, and you're on wild card. Isaac might well be an option that that people do look to if they if they if they do end up moving off him. Because for for Newcastle, it's uh, West Ham this week, then Bournemouth, Fulham, Brentford, the next three after that. Callum Wilson might well be coming back from injury at some point by, by then. Um, and so that puts his place in the team, I suppose, in doubt slightly. But he's still, obviously, he missed the missed the chance this week. But the fact he's kind of playing centrally and getting in and getting those chances, I guess, is still like a good, a good point. Um, what we would do for a player, I suppose, that we knew more about or had seen in the league for longer is probably be judging them more on their finishing over a longer term right and so maybe it would be useful if we had to, if we could find some stats on his kind of xg under over performance over a longer period of time um don't necessarily have that right to hand as we speak so um i guess when we judge it on what what we what we've seen i mean yeah he, he's finishing at, at anfield obviously was good and he kind of looked 
looks just looks sort of the real deal, doesn't he? He looks composed in front of goal. So it, um, I, I, I think it's it's worth in terms of Newcastle attacking assets. He seems one to 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 the, possibly the best one to try and take advantage of this good run they've got. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and I think I think I think that is key taking advantage of, of of those fixtures as well. I mean, he's got a decent goals record at Sociedad and for Sweden. Actually, it's not it's not amazing, but I think uh, I think you know, given Sociedad's sort of ranking as a you know, upper to mid to upper sort of mid table side in, in in La Liga, it's not it's not too bad. So so yeah, I think uh, I think that's worth taking advantage of. And then obviously you know the the Wilson thing is obviously a question mark. But I guess we'd say this we've said this about Fofana, we've said this about other players where teams have spent a lot of money on them. Uh, it's going to be quite difficult to 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 regularly bench your sixty plus million pound forward uh, for a player of you know with all due respect Callum Wilson. So yeah, I'd like to think that he's still going to get game time even when Wilson returns um i'll let you speak andy a little bit about manchester united we had a bit of a chat didn't we uh when when did united play with well, the last game on sunday wasn't it it was the, yeah so it was a part of super sunday we had a bit of a chat about man united assets and uh, obviously anthony's had a pretty big impact but it's a little bit more expensive than some of the other players that could be options um and we're going to put marcus rashford in the mid-range of our radar here this does feel um more about his price than what we're seeing with our eyes but at the same time he's still getting returns um but i know you're you're still not completely convinced by him and his finishing ability ultimately what i would say is in some weird way if united had harder games coming up um he might be a better asset because the what what where the i mean regardless of who we're playing he is like cheaper than those others so 6.5 mil for a midfielder who's playing through the middle in a team who have suddenly rediscovered how to win games and score goals can't be a bad thing and as much as I don't trust him and his finishing that's still value at 6.5 million I think because he's playing like say through the middle and getting into positions but the goals are coming from getting in behind and hitting on the counter the one nil against the one nil against Southampton the one nil against Leicester and at least two of and arguably the first all three of the goals against Arsenal were on the counter attack and, and Rashford kind of playing through the middle getting on the shoulder and someone like Bruno or Eriksson putting a ball through now that isn't i can't envisage that necessarily happening against palace or leeds in the same way you think united might have a bit more of the ball um and and it won't be quite so open i mean arsenal were playing in a ridiculously high line very very open and, and obviously they encourage their center backs to get on the ball and take it forward so there were big gaps for rashford to expose and and you know players with the quality of bruno and eric's are going to find those gaps so um I, yeah, that that, my, that is kind of my reservation added into the fact that even if he is getting in those spaces, yeah, I mean, obviously his goal at the weekend, one was a tap-in and the other was actually not a great finish. He's it, It's only gone in because it's deflected up over the keeper off Ben White. So I think, yeah, obviously the points return is is perhaps making him look like a stronger asset than, than he might be. But I mean, against Southampton and Leicester, he... The advantage of him playing through the middle was he was getting assists because he's setting up Sancho and Anthony who are coming in off from the outside. And I don't, and I, I can't necessarily see the argument for going for Sancho or Anthony because of that, because they do cost more, and because um, you know Rashford obviously still could get goals from from being through the middle. So um, I've, I've given a lot of like negatives, but I'll go back to what where I started really. That despite all those things I've said ultimately 6.5 mil he's going to get five points for a goal it is good value at that at that price if he was classified as a forward at like eight or nine mil i wouldn't be going anywhere near it but a 6.5 as a midfielder yeah i think i think there's something there for him and and 
like I say, those fixtures, and it's particularly if you're, if you're looking at a punt before the international break and you need a midfielder in, in that kind of price category, it's Palace and Leeds now for United. So, yeah. Yeah, I think we felt good about Rashford and Sancho a little bit, didn't we, in the FPL Lounge long weekend at the start of the season, you know, our season preview pods. I think the price appealed and also the potential when Martial got injured of Rashford playing through the middle. And it took a few games to get going, but it seems to be transpiring now as Rashford is at least having an impact on games. And, and yeah, you know, similar to Martial, I don't think you completely trust his finishing ability, but ultimately if he's playing through the middle for a team that's starting to look a bit more like a top six side and he's going to create some chances, then you, you know, he's going to end up with returns just by sheer volume, you would hope. So so yeah, I think he, I think he could be a decent value pick. Um, moving outside then to the fringes of the radar, again, Andy's highlighted earlier Newcastle's good run and, and why that that meant Alexander Isaac was, was on our radar. But we're going to have a look again at, at Newcastle defenders. I think, Andy, you mentioned it um, last week. They've got, you know, that they've got a good run coming up and, and there could be some, some interesting picks there. Kieran Trippier feels like the headline. I think he's 5.1 mil now, which is probably a little bit more than we'd want to spend on, on a defender, uh, especially with ones with just a good run and clean sheet potential. Obviously, Trippier does have some attacking potential, but they generally comes all from direct free kicks, which... We can't re- really rely on. It feels like the um, you know, the, the James Ward Prowse sort of conundrum. Um, but at the same time, um, yeah, he is the one that's starting basically every game for them. They've, they've, you know, Botman's not played every game. Shares not played every game. Um, and Trippier is almost the same price as Matt Target. Therefore, you probably would spend what 0.2 extra on Kieran Trippier than you would someone like a Target. So it feels like he is worthy of our place on of his place on the fringe of our radar. I mean, this definitely shows the FPL lounge uh, wing fullback bias again, doesn't it? Because if he was a 5.1 million centre back, we'd be going absolutely no way, wouldn't we? I don't think we'd be we'd be touching it necessarily. But I think if what it, adds... even even if even if he was the only one to have played the full 90 like regularly for Newcastle this year, I reckon we'd still. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I feel like yeah. no, I think I think you're probably right. That, that it's a lot to pay for for someone with minimal like attacking threat, but because he does take free kicks very well, and um, also is a fullback, so does get down the line and put crosses in as well, and he's on corners often as well, so other set pieces. Mm. Um, yeah, at, at five point one mil, like there's been points where people are considering obviously the James Ward Prowse and the Madisons of the world, who are people who I particularly haven't necessarily been too favourable towards, but the key here is is that 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 Trippier is significantly less cash to have to part with to to get someone who is on free kicks, but also gets gets point more points from from the clean sheet if they, if Newcastle get them than than Ward Prowse or Madison would. So. Yeah, I th- when when you again we obviously like we mentioned that run, but just just reiterate it. It's West Ham, Bournemouth, Fulham, Brentford, the next four for Newcastle, and they've looked decent so far um, defensively this season. One of the one of the best teams, I think, top five or six in terms of expected goals conceded. So yeah, um, the underlying numbers look good. The the the, the performances on the eye look good, and and he's a, the yeah the where we wouldn't usually look at defenders over five. We do try to tip up the 4.5 million fullbacks like the Estupinians and, and whoever else has been on the radar. I think the the fact that he is a more trusted, you can trust him more to be the one that, to start, whereas it seems there's a bit more rotation with those other positions, that definitely um, helps if you're, if you're looking to try and bring a new cast defender in. 
Makes sense. And then, you know, just to complement that, we have got some some cheaper defenders from another team with uh, with in, an interesting set of underlying defensive stats and also with a good fixture run coming up. And that's West Ham conceded two penalties this year, which doesn't help their um, uh, expected goals conceded, but their non-penalty expected goals conceded. And he's fourth best in the league. And this is for a team that has struggled to get wins so far this, year, this season as well. I don't think they've actually kept a clean sheet. Obviously, um, you know, they may perhaps the chances that they are conceding obviously they end up conceding one or two but there was a team last year I think had it might have actually been Newcastle towards the end of the year had decent underlying numbers but were still conceding the odd goal every game if you know if that regresses to the mean then then hopefully we'll start getting some clean sheets out of West Ham um Vladimir Soufal 4.4 mils played basically every game I think for West Ham so far and, and Emerson started uh, in the Europa League at 4 mil. Obviously, they've got some defensive injuries at the minute, so I guess Emerson maybe won't start every game or won't continue to start. Um, but two potentially really good value picks, particularly if you're looking to replace any Brighton defenders uh, ahead of game week eight. I mean, I think definitely, yeah. I, this is one where I feel a little more uncomfortable because I haven't watched m- much of West Ham, so I'd like to supplement this like information, I guess, with my own eye test. So for anyone who has, maybe this is somewhere that you could, that you could go, but um, I think I've only that... watched them against City and in the Europa League, so it's a bit different, mm. difficult to kind of get a gauge on them. Europa though, Conference League, sorry, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah do, do not, do not forget that fantastic competition. Um, but the, yeah, I, I think I would the, because I haven't watched them myself. I'm what what you hear and read about West Ham is obviously they look a little bit ragtag so far this and haven't quite got it together yet and obviously they have had a lot of injuries in defense but but the numbers the underlying numbers will tell you and particularly when you think about the fact they've, they've played some decent teams so far this is now have the most straightforward of fixture runs to begin the year then um the fact that they're fourth best only city arsenal and tottenham have conceded fewer non-penalty expected goals um that that that's promising so yeah emerson at 4.0 can play as a left center back or a left back and sufal can play left back or right back and he's only 4.4 and we know both of those have fantastic attacking potential as well they've both shown it plenty of times in their over their fpl career um starts for both are maybe in question when it particularly with with injuries and we don't know when people will come back and whether that means they go in and out of the team um but look i think at their price, you can take a little bit more of a, of a punt if they end up not playing right. And um, the the fixtures they've got coming up, when you so you add in the you know you, all I can talk about all these factors. One another one to throw in is that they have the best over the next four game weeks. They have their top of the fixture difficulty schedule, as in they have the easiest on paper fixtures. That's Newcastle at home, Everton away, Wolves at home, Fulham at home. Their next four fixtures. So all all of that you know sounds pretty pretty good as a, I think I think one that's gone under the radar I haven't you know the FPL lounge sometimes we say things which are revolutionary sometimes we don't you know when we talk about captaining Mo Salah a lot for example but um that that's what I haven't seen many other people saying and I thought was interesting was coming out in the numbers West Ham defenders yeah I think obviously you know another thing that we mentioned when we were putting this together was was possibly you know ultimately there non-penalty expected goal, goals conceded it is all well and good uh, if their defending's so good that they're not conceding penalties but if they are also going to kick people in the box and that isn't the sign of a great defence ultimately and they have conceded a, a few penalties so far this year but yeah you would think that they that their underlying numbers are still good enough for them not to be conceding the amount of goals that they are and if they can get 
Craig Dawson back, for example, who seems to be a bit of a leader in in their defence. Um, I think they've had some sendings off as well at the back as well, haven't they? I think Tilo Kerr possibly being being one of them, or, or own goals and things like that. So, so yeah, if they can sort that out a little bit, then yeah, there could be some really good budget picks there, and as you say, uh, opportunity to take advantage of that of that good run. And yeah, I didn't think we'd be tipping up. Um, West Ham defenders ever really on the FPL Lounge podcast, apart from possibly you know Aaron Cresswell back in his uh, back in his heyday. But um, here we are. Uh, we continue to surprise even ourselves. Uh, anyone I mean, else? Andy? Here, here, just 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 a quick random interesting uh, interesting fact: there is not a single West Ham player who would be eligible for who the heck is stat. Oh damn! I better change mine now. I told you I was going to make it difficult this week, didn't I? Given given the year they had last year, though, I just yeah. I thought that you know that's that's incredible. And I just when you you were talking about um, Craig Dawson, I wanted to wanted to see what his situation injury situation was, and just having a quick look up there. And yeah, not a single one owned by over five percent. I mean, that's reflective of their form, I suppose, this season, isn't it? Yeah, and also I guess their price. I guess Cresswell was is is or is or was five million. I think Dawson was as well to start the season and then they've had so many injuries it's hard to know who's going to play so yeah, I can see there are reasons for that but equally I think it's also on pitch reasons and, and yeah I think maybe we've spotted something that, that might be worth trying to take advantage of um, is there anyone else Andy that you are keeping your eye on at the moment well Yes and no. This player hasn't played in the Premier League, really. I think they came on for like one or two minutes in a game. But Sergio Gomez is someone I'm keeping my eye on in in the sense of theoretically, because I can't actually watch him play any football yet. Although he did play a full game in the Champions League when 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 City kept a clean sheet against Sevilla. But you like he, what you see, right? I mean, absolutely. I think even if like the fact I haven't seen him at all, I don't. If you tell me he's starting for City and he's 4.5 million in a team that gets like fantastic clean sheet like numbers I'm, I'm i'm absolutely all over that obviously the starts is a big if but walker's got a bit of a knock he's a more natural left back than an ake he's obviously you know played in a team that's kept a clean sheet midweeks that that pep does like rewarding players for their performances there's a there's some chat that they're getting better that you get they're getting more out of Cancelo from right when he plays at right back um, and, and and that is his more natural position. It does shift him out left when when Walker plays. So I do just wonder whether we might get some more Sergio Gomez starts in the Premier League for for City. And yeah, I mean, if that's the case at 4.5 mil, um, maybe not this week when they've got Tottenham, but 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 still sort of going going forward. And and like there may be many people looking to jump off Bright, Brighton assets on a on a one week punt before a wild card next week. I mean, City have Wolves who who haven't exactly scored many goals, so. Yeah, definitely got my eye on Sergio Gomez. Yeah, I, I, I like it. I like it a lot. I think it's it's as much about keeping an eye on him as it is about keeping an eye on Walker's injury status. But you'd think if Walker remains out come that Wolves game, I think Sergio Gomez could definitely be worth a bit of a bit of a flyer pre wildcard if that is your strategy. Um, I'm going to keep my eye similarly on on on, on Wesley Fofana, uh, 4.4 million, I believe, still uh, in Chelsea's defence. He started both of their last games in the Champions League and the Premier League. And yeah, if this new manager, if there is a bit of a new manager bounce and Graham Potter can tighten things up at the back if it is him that's appointed then I think Wes Fofana is going to his ownership is going to shoot up pretty quickly I don't think it's what I'm going to be looking to do uh, this side of the international break particularly uh, obviously Chelsea have Liverpool in game week eight but as we mentioned earlier their fixtures do tend to turn um, after the international break so one I'm definitely keeping an eye on and yeah I think if he if he's going to keep starting for now that's enough for me uh, to be feel positively about him uh, going into game week nine and beyond. 
let's leave it there then, Andy, and let's have a quick break. And then when we when we return, we will be swimming again for dive. Here at the FPL Lounge, we are keen to hear from you. You can join in the conversation on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. We will preview every game week throughout the season, exploring options for your chips and transfers. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your pods so that you have all the information you need before the game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. So last week, our swimming against the Tide was uh, Reese James being the second most transferred out. Uh, I guess there was some logic to that in the end, Andy, just and just returning one point. Ultimately, no clean sheet from Chelsea, not helping his his case. Um, I guess we've, I guess in a way, our, our decision to go big at the back at the start of the season maybe hasn't ended up being the best one. Um, I guess some of the some of the league's uh, premium defenders have not kept the amount of clean sheets that we would have wanted them to at the start of the season. But never mind, we will crack on. And uh, this one, we, well, we we decided we were doing this before we knew about Brighton's postponement against uh, against Crystal Palace. Um, but ultimately, that just sort of reinforces it even more now. Um, Alexis McAllister, fourth most transferred in uh, in in the game uh, ahead of game week seven, obviously got two goals last week, Andy. I think he had a third chalked out, chalked off as well, I believe. Um, so yeah, it could have been a, could have been a hat trick of set pieces ultimately. But uh, but yeah, I think that's kind of the reason why we're willing to swim against this. He uh, he is getting a lot of returns, but they're all from set pieces ultimately. Well, the third one was an absolute screamer from long distance, not a set piece. It wasn't, and it was, wasn't a direct free kick. It was no. called off. I don't think it was. No, I no. did watch it on, on, on the highlights, and I can't remember off the top of my head now, but I think it was one of those. It was getting a lot of attention because it was called called off for like a, a very, very marginal VAR thing. Right. Um, and that's what's, that's what's annoyed a lot of people, I think. Um, and but 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 yeah, still nonetheless, it was still uh, a strike from long range, right? So sure. yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I just think I feel in some ways feels a bit wrong now that Brighton have had the fixture cancel because it just seems so obvious. But like you say, one we chosen this before that, so I I'm happy to stick to stick by it. And also two, that just reinforces the point even more. Still loads ultimately loads of people have still transferred him in, so. I mean, it's nearly it, like four hundred thousand. That's a lot. It's crazy. So, so I don't necessarily feel too guilty because it's like, well, you shouldn't have made your transfer before, like that early in the game week. Then should you? It's it's a it's a it's a classic thing that we we always kind of recommend to. I know, and and we probably do suffer from price changes more than others because we wait. But when things like Nunes gets a red card or McAllister, uh, you know, is has one fewer fixture now, you can you can take that in, into your account with your decision making um i think i think you outlined to me earlier chris that 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 there's outperforming your numbers and then there's you know and then there's what's happening with with McAllister. yes he scored those those goals last week but when you take penalties out of it he's got a 0.44 non-penalty expected goal involvement now obviously you can't take penalties out of it we don't take them out of it for kane or salah or whatever but I think the point with penalties is how often can you like rely on there's no way of measuring how regularly you can expect a penalty right obviously teams that are good and attack more are going to get more penalties more often but yeah you, you that can't be a reason for you making a decision I don't think on a player who other than that doesn't show a great deal of of, of potential for, for goal involvement so um when yeah 
the fact that he's only got one fixture in the next two games as well doesn't 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 help either. So I think, um, yeah, what I try, trying to think of things that would go in his favour. His price, maybe he's, he's only five point six. Yeah, I mean, still, like, do you know what I mean? Like, he is ultimately a deep line playmaker. We wouldn't normally ever endorse you putting a deep lying playmaker in your FPL team. I think it he reminds me of Jorginho a little bit. Like I think people like Jorginho for a little bit when the Premier League went penalty mad, like when VAR was first introduced and that felt like gaming the system a little bit. I feel like you could have had a team full of penalty takers, especially if you had defenders that took them too. Um, But long term, that's evened itself out ultimately. Long term, I mean, I don't know how many penalties he's got this year. I I recall at least two, maybe he's got three. Um, but you just can't rely on it over the course of the season. And if you can, then fine, put him in your team at the start of the season, set and forget it. Don't worry about it. You have to take the rough with the smooth then. And you know, that's, that's right. It's, it's again, similar to the James Ward-Prowse argument and the James Madison argument, and even the, uh, the Ivan Tony argument that we, that we had kind of the, at the start of the podcast. Like if you're going to be, if you, you know, you will get a certain, a base number of points from these players because they'll score, X number of penalties or X number of direct free kicks or X number of long distance goals throughout the course of the season, but they're very streaky. It's hard to know when they're coming. And if you're going to win the FPL, which ultimately is everyone's dream, right? It's about getting on the players when they hit their hot streak and getting off them when that fin- when that finishes. And it's impossible to know when you're so reliant on other factors such as teams conceding penalties against you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it's, um, it's, diff- it's, I think you could make a case which uh, which midfielder under six million is better, and there may not be many. But when you look uh, now that the fixture things happened, you know it's got to be McAllister in in assuming you're wildcarding in in, uh, in the international break. It's got to be McAllister in one game versus anyone else you might look at in two. Yeah. Um, never mind the fact that, of course, you could make a transfer elsewhere in your team, right? So it's not like you have to only look at midfielders under six mil, and and perhaps you might get more value out of someone more reliable you know elsewhere um, to, to, to kind of make the point i guess i made about trippier earlier kieran trippier is half a mil cheaper than than the mcallister and okay he plays in a different position and you can't swap a midfielder for a defender but like if you're what the point is if your budget is limited i think you can get better value and more reliable probably returns elsewhere for that money um that, than than you would with mcallister yeah, agreed. I think. I mean, I really like him as a player. I think he's. I think he's looking pretty good this year. And and and, and in in other formats of fantasy football, where you pick a player at the start of the season and you've got no transfer window and no way of getting rid of them, I think he's a great asset in something like that. But in FPL, it just doesn't quite feel feel, feel right. And uh, and yeah, I think it's uh, he's an easy one to to swim against this week. And as Andy said, with the fact that they've now only got one fixture out of the next two uh, means it just has fallen into our lap even more fortuitously than when we first planned to. Swim against him uh let's finish with captaincy andy or at least move on to captaincy uh i guess we've got a big a big fixture this game week right uh, sorry to sound all um all, all mark corrigan from peep show on us watching the big fixture but yeah yeah we've got city city spurs this week which i guess rules out or maybe doesn't rule out harland but feels like it does rule out harry kane uh, a little bit but thankfully um, Liverpool are, are at home to Wolves, so uh, they've been playing really well this year. So Mo Salah is, is an easy captaincy choice, right? I mean, you should never make decisions based too much on emotion in FPL. It's supposed to be fun, so you know, a bit, a bit of uh, every now and again going for a bit of a punt. But um, 
I will absolutely not be captaining Mo Salah this week. He burnt me hard last week. It was an atrocious performance. Um, like if you can't if you can't produce an attacking display that's half decent against Everton, I don't care if it's a derby. Like what? Who are you going to? So do I? Do I trust them to do it against Wolves? No, I mean, I suppose they did get nine against Bournemouth, but like... Wolves aren't Bournemouth bad, though, are they? No, no. So, and, and Haaland is such a monster that, and he seems so trustworthy that, I mean, I, do, I don't know. I feel very tempted to kind of to kind of go back there. Obviously, he got another goal, or was it even two in the Champions League uh, yesterday as well? Um, albeit you'd, you'd think Tottenham will provide a sterner test than, than Sevilla did. Um I really don't think this is a straightforward one this week. And it, you know, last season, Salah at home to Wolves. Yes, thank you very much. It's it's automatic captain. But but that on that kind of not being sure does make me feel like this is perhaps one of those weeks where you could look towards a Trent or something, right? Because what because what you have more certainty in is Wolves probably are going to struggle very much so to score. Like what's more likely, a Salah goal or a Trent clean sheet? I'm feeling like a Trent clean sheet's more likely at the moment based on what we've seen from Liverpool's attacking output. So it hasn't um, been great at the back either. So that feels more about Wolves than it does about Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, defense. yeah. No, it is. Yeah. It is yeah. probably yeah. And the fact that they're at home, which helps, you know, when of they course, haven't been yeah. as great, it's been away games as well. But yeah, um, uh, and then obviously you can still get attacking out, uh, you know, outputs obviously from 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 Trent. He did score in that Bournemouth nine 0 in fact. So um, yeah, maybe one of those weeks. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's fair. Um, obviously, we well, I mean, I've said we're ruling out Harry Kane. We're not ruling out Erling Haaland. I guess City are at home, and Haaland's a machine. Ultimately, it does doesn't feel he feels like a cheat code. It doesn't feel fair really to for the rest of the league. And you've noticed. I mean, I hadn't actually spotted this, but you'd notice his his ownership is now above Gabriel Jesus, who I believe at the start of the season was the most owned FPL player ever. Like we're talking eclipsing even Mo Salah on his hottest of hot streaks last year. At this point, if 80%, four in five FPL managers are owning Erling Haaland, you'd think the vast majority of those are going to end up um, are going to end up captaining him. Uh, if you don't captain him and he returns, you're going to get left. You risk getting left behind ultimately, don't you? Yeah, I mean, we're talking crazy ownership numbers, aren't we, at the moment? And that certainly happened last week. There was a big, and the week before, and the week before, frankly, when he scored hat tricks. He, you know, there's big swings um, on on captaincy decisions. So it really is like important. And in these instances, instances where there's not like a great deal between it, yeah, it's um, it, it it's tough for sort of future future planning. Um, the I suppose. If you if you try to think about it without recency bias, Liverpool scoring at home to Wolves or, or or City at home to Tottenham. I mean, Tottenham have been a bit of a bogey team over the last few seasons for City. That's not to say they couldn't score against them, but the, but they've they've seemed to have beaten them and done all right against them, haven't they? Tottenham in in a few games. Mm. Um, I, th- I think I think Pep's only won once at the new at the new Tottenham Stadium or something like that. So and he can't have a record like that against against many teams. I wouldn't have thought no. so. Yeah, um, I I keep going back and forth. You know, I'm just yeah, not sure yeah, yeah. between the two. I'm really not. It's it's a tough call. I mean, okay, uh, let's have our third one to the mix. What about Gabriel Jesus uh, at home to Everton? Obviously, we saw Everton uh, defend. Ultimately, they're defending in pretty much every game and hitting teams on the counter. Uh, 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 that seems to be their tactic at the minute. Obviously, they defended okay against Liverpool. Liverpool only, I think, created one big chance all game, and that was in the 95th minute. Um, I know. 
Pickford ended up getting man of the match, but I think as you said, it generally were, were sort of camera saves from from sort of long range, uh, long range shots, and obviously tipped tipped the most hard chance onto the post in the last minute as well. Um, but Arsenal's intensity has quite has impressed me quite a lot this year, and and and, and Jesus as a number nine, yes, coming deep sometimes, but also playing on the shoulder and stretching teams, getting in behind. Sort of creating a bit of space for Martinelli and Saka as well. He's coming into the season a little bit more. He feels like it feels like they could go to town on a team like Everton, frankly. Um, so he feels like he could be a decent option as well. But still, I guess a bit of a differential when you're gonna when you're gonna see what Erling Haaland's captaincy numbers are gonna be. Yeah, I mean, Arsenal looked really good against United, I have to say. They looked like a proper big team, like coming and dominating the ball, creating chances, putting United under multiple periods of sustained pressure. Um, that I would absolutely expect them to do it again. That I would imagine, a re- I, of all the teams playing in Europe, I could see the biggest rotation for Arsenal. I mean, their team selection on Thursday night will be will be interesting because they've absolutely got the depth now to be to start they could start Smith Rowe and Ketia and and rest Martinelli and and Jesus so I would expect Jesus to be like fully fit and ready and raring to go um against Everton and I think they can they can definitely swarm a, a fairly poor team and 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 put pressure on them and create loads of chances so um any frankly I think probably Arsenal attacking asset is 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 looking like a a, a fair shout for captaincy this week yeah have you done have you done a bus team um i think i have but i don't think i changed my captain so it's probably still on salah still on salah so just just by default from him being default. last week yeah yeah it's interesting i was going to ask you maybe maybe who, who who your bus team was on but i'm guessing you would have maybe switched it had you sort of thought about it from what you're saying Maybe, maybe. Not, like, my, mine's on Haaland at the minute, and I feel relatively confident it's going to stay there. But then again, it's it's easy not to switch, I guess, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Keeping your, you feel it's that I can't. I'm trying to think of the phrase, but the psychological thing where, like, if you move off what you like originally planned, you're more annoyed at yourself than mm. if you, if you, if you. Uh, don't do the change that you considered making. Like it both are frustrating, right? Like I guess it's the I guess it's like last week if you'd kept Tony and then Isaac had had um, scored goals, you might be less frustrated than this week had yeah. you know because you got rid of what you ha- already had type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah, you, yeah, I guess you don't know what you've got until it's gone, Andy. Well, Isn't quite. That- isn't that right? Isn't that right? All right, well, let's uh, let's leave it there. Uh, let's finish, as we always do, with a little game we like to call Who the Heck is Stat? Uh, each week, Andy and I take it in turn to pick a player from the FPL universe, and the other player has to get guess who it is. They must be owned by at least 5% of managers, and we get five clues. If we get it after the first clue, we get five points. After the second clue, which Andy keeps getting, he gets four points, uh, and so on and so forth. Every time we hear a clue, we get two minutes to stick or twist on our previous guess, which means we don't reveal the answers to the end, so you can play it along wherever you're listening to the FPL Lounge podcast. I've been told that someone got uh, someone got Andy Robertson uh, in four points as well, like you last 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 week. Uh, one of our one of our listeners um, told me, and I quote, "I had a mare," and I completely agree. Um, but yeah, nine three Andy leads uh, going into this this one, and yet yeah, it's me uh, having picked a player for him. So an opportunity to extend that even. For further, I've threatened to make these harder. Um, possibly this one is, but I still think you'll get it in the end. No pressure.
Okay. Well, Sorry, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't want feeling pressure. It's nine three. I get no points and still be spanking you, right? Yeah, no, it's completely, completely true. Uh, there's, there's zero, zero pressure. Also, I've won it two years in a row, so I've got nothing to prove, mate. It's all on you. Yeah. All right. Fine. Uh, all right. Let's go. Clue number one. Then it is this player's third season in FPL, but it is the first in which they've scored any points. Who the heck is it? That third season in FPL, but first they've scored any points. So if they've not had any points at all, they've, they've they can't have played any minutes in previous seasons. Um, only their third though. So they've obviously they've also not been around that long. I suppose they might have been. A squad player somewhere. I mean, yeah, it's difficult because it could be there's a number of things. It makes you think it's a young player, but it, 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 I guess it may not be. It could just be that they were they were in an academy somewhere else, and then they've they've sort of dropped down the leagues, and now they've made their way back into the Premier League with a, with a team. So, um, is there anything else from that first clue that I'm missing? It's their third season, first time they've scored any points. That's correct. That's it. Yeah. Um, right even trying to think of one of a player that that would apply to is difficult um essentially someone's first season in the in the league um who i guess bournemouth came up uh solanke would he have played for liverpool i feel like he must have come off the bench at least at some point for liverpool he can't he because he moved to he moved to Bournemouth when they were in the mm, did he move when they were in the Prem but then get injured I'm not sure Thirty seconds okay well I was going to say Dominic Slanky because I, I mean I'm struggling to think of anyone it could be but um yeah let's go with him get more clues right. no problems then clue two this player has played every minute for their club so far this season and has had three price rises who the heck is that Three price rises is a lot. There are not many players, I guess, who've had three or more. Uh, so three price rises. Okay, so they're like a point three or a point eight. I mean, I, I guess unless you're being very sneaky and they've also had a drop at some point. Um, I have to clarify they've not had a drop. Okay. So they are a point eight or a point three. They are a point eight or a point three in their pricing. I mean, they might have had a drop, in which case they've had four price rises, and my clue's wrong. But they are. I can guarantee. I can tell you they're a point three or a point eight. Okay. Okay. Um, mm, interesting. Okay. Who's who's had three rises then? Because um, like someone like Rodrigo's had more than that. Harlan's had more than that. Um, Gross, I guess, but could be Pascal Gross, but he's he's had points. Uh, Neko Williams, but he no, he hasn't gone up three times. Who's suddenly been getting people transferring in, but possibly wouldn't have been owned before the season started? Uh, ooh, difficult. Three price rises. I'm struggling. I go through Martinelli. No, not first season with points. That's the problem. Uh, Gabriel. Thirty seconds. Gabriel. Mm, yes, that makes me feel good. 
that makes me feel good, Gabriel, because he it is roughly his third season at Arsenal. He has gone out on loan before. Not Gabriel, what's his other name? Saliba, 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 Saliba. He's he's gone out on loan. Would he have Ten had seconds. three price rises, though? I guess after he got his banger, some people might... Yeah, I'm going to switch to Saliba. Okay, no worries. Uh, clue number three, then. Uh, despite his three price rises, this player has had one game this season where he registered a negative points total. Who the heck is stat? Negative points total. Uh, I've had a player who had a negative points total. Who was it? Oh, that's annoying. I doubt it's Saliba because Arsenal when would have when would he have conceded enough goals to have a negative points total? Three price rises first season in FPL. Essentially, first season with any points. Um, could it? Who are, oh man, this is tricky. Three. I can't. That makes me think it's not Saliba, but I can't think of anyone else. It could be. Um, who else would have had the price rises again? Just trying to think of people that would have been brought in. Maybe I've just got to stick on Saliba and think that there's maybe been like a booking and not got a clean sheet and come he's come off after I know but you say he's played every minute. So every to play minute, every yeah. minute play every minute he would have had to get at least two points. So how's he then got minus three? Thirty seconds. Concede a penalty? Don't lose points for that, do you? Well I, I can't think of anyone else, so I'll just stick with Saliba for now and get some more information. Okay, no worries. Clue number four then. He is not in the most... Sorry, let me start again. He is not in the top five most owned players at his position, nor is he the highest owned player at his club. So not in the top five most owned players at his position, not the highest owned player at his club. Who the heck is stat? I mean, that would that would fit with him. Because um, you'd think James Cancelo, Neko Williams, Trent, all going to be owned more than him, possibly Robbo or Van Dyke. Um, you know, like Zinchenko or whatever, or I don't know, Gabriel even might be more owned than him. Um, obviously, Gabriel Jesus would be the highest owned player at his club, so that would fit him. But I mean, it's just one that I've happened to think of, and I don't even know if he's like point three or point eight ish. I guess it's just the fact that he fits the bill in terms of the third third season thing um so what would he have been am i thinking he's 5.3 i guess if he would he what would he have been pre-season would he have been five or would he have been 4.5 is 4.5 too low um okay who else could it possibly be? Um, because to have three rises, um, 
but what I'm trying to think, okay, Arsenal games, I guess the three goals they've just conceded. Yeah, they've ju- they obviously they've just conceded three oh, goals exactly. in the last game. So maybe he had a minus one in this game that's just gone because you'd get to, you'd, he'd lose one point. Maybe he lost a point for a yellow. And how would he get to minus one? Ten seconds. Um, okay, well, I have to, again, I have to just stick. I have to just stick with him, which is this is not this is not great going into no, the right. final clue. But uh... all right, clue number five. Then we watched this player score his only goal so far this season in the pub together. That was when he that that was when he spanked it in and he shinned it, didn't he? Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! Have I gone and done it again? I, I was so close to trying to think. I, if I could have thought of anyone else who would have it was could have been their third season, but so that has to be an Arsenal player. We saw more than one Arsenal player score, but it it won't be Gabriel. It won't uh, Jesus. Yeah, it, it can't be Jesus because he is the highest owned at the club, and it has to be an Arsenal player. So it's Saliba. Oh my God, where have I pulled that from? I'm sticking with Saliba. Baby. Yeah, of course, of course you fucking are. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Mate, how's he done this? How's he done this again? He just plucks it from the depths of his asshole. <laughs> oh just god, don't the, get... the, the little E symbol's gonna have to go on this episode, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to have to, because it's, it's, this game just does my head in. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... How did you, your poker face is top-notch then, Chris Hopkins, I tell I've, you. Because... I've smiled a few times when you've got it early before, like in other weeks. I'm, I'm just I'm just learning just to look at, the, look at the clock. Just look at the clock on my phone and just watch the time slowly while away. More pain. As we get, as More we, as we, pain for essentially, is as we get closer and closer to you getting four points. It's, uh, yeah, it, so I guess the... Um, so he got a negative... He scored nine goal, is how he got negative points in, a, in, in one week, uh... um, which I guess you maybe weren't to know, but yeah, that's that's how it, how it happens. He, he, he got an argue, but obviously he got price rises because he was four and a half million at the start of the year and he started every minute and... He scored a goal. He's got an assist, and yeah. Arsenal are looking all right. So, yeah, uh, I think he's had. He was at Marseille for two years in a row, so didn't play for Arsenal, but has obviously played every minute so far this year. And uh, and yeah, I can't. I think we've we have only watched one game. Oh, no, I guess we. Yeah, we have only watched one game together this year, haven't we? Because I didn't quite make United Southampton. So mm. yeah, that's yeah. It. I mean, to be honest, it was obviously it was the. The hard thing was, we say this a lot about this 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 game, but I was really struggling to think of anyone who would have had three price rises, right? Yeah. And then, because um, like I said, there can't be there can't be that many. But then when you um, said what what was it what was it that was in conjunction with that clue? It was it was every three... minute and three three seasons, but only scored points this this season. Yeah, yeah. Once I thought about it, like. Because you're thinking three price rises, teams have done well. So, like, quickly go to Arsenal, running through, like, obviously not Jesus, not not Martinelli. But then, yeah, they made a big song and dance, haven't they, about how Saliba's been out on loan and this is the first time he's played. So, I guess mm. just once, for some reason, that's just pure like luck that, that kind of ended up landed on that. And Yeah. 
and it because it fit quite a specific thing you 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 stick with it right and i couldn't find better options to swap to so absolutely absolutely yeah i think i mean ultimately like from clue one it's probable there aren't many players that that clue applies to so as soon as you get to it it's hard to switch off it i guess ultimately maybe that's lessons for me in doing my clues but yeah like i think it's one of them that's hard to guess but ultra specific so if you get it you get it and you stick and yeah four points is you know i will say this uh i will say this wholeheartedly you know richly deserved because if you get it you get it but yeah i think we're gonna have to stop this game start doing my head in we'll have to think of something else after the international break because this is uh this is becoming a joke i mean well we've got not... an 11 point lead i mean we're not, we're not even we're not, we're not even we're not even at the first international break i mean that can't be true is it uh, uh, ten, 10 oh no 10 10 10 point lead 10 point lead okay okay yeah yeah no i mean just to add to the how specific as well though uh obviously you said about the first bit being specific the the third season thing but i've just looked up and there's only there's only three players who've had more price rises than really so martinelli gross and harland have had five price rises but saliba's in a group of three players who've had three price rises and 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 that's that's it. Although they're saying Rodrigo's had three price rises, he went up to six point five, didn't he? So he must have had five. Like they're yeah, saying, I think, net I, th- I think the net is, is a net. Yeah. yeah, you have to actually yeah. look at their individual page and like do the maths, the up and down. But yeah, right. it's, so um, yes, Rodrigo's had more than Saliba as well, but also gone back down. But still, that's only four who've had more. So yes. yeah, yeah, true, true. All right, well. That's annoying, but never mind. Uh, do you know what? Not as annoying as last week for me, but whatever. Anyway, we'll um, we will leave it there, uh, Andy. I guess ultimately, if our if our listeners have any questions about what they want to do, primarily maybe who to captain ahead of uh, ahead of game week game week seven, how can they get in touch? Well, they can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. And I think more importantly, it's lots of sympathy needed, needed Chris Hopkins way. It's after a week of pain on, on the Tony incident to have back to back. Who the heck is stats like that is, is, is tough. It's heartbreaking. And he, he shows up with a smile on his face and determination in his eye every game week to give you a fantastic podcast. So bless him. Give him some love. Yeah. Thank you very much. That, uh, that is, that is very kind of you. Um, Yeah. Uh, also, do remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from because it will make my week uh, marginally better. Um, we will be back with a game week eight preview. I believe game week eight, Andy, kicks off on a Friday night, so we're probably going to have to do a Wednesday or a Thursday uh, again. But yeah, we'll be back pl- ahead of uh, ahead of game week eight. Plenty of time to, uh, to 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 listen to that one. But yeah, wish you well for game week seven. Uh, but Andy, until then, thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. <laughs>